Full Service Radio is proudly supported and hosted by Simplecast, the easiest way for a podcast creator to publish and distribute audio on the internet. For more information, visit Simplecast.com. Service Radio. Peace, everyone, and welcome to the Edible Activist Podcast. I'm your host, Melissa L. Jones, broadcasting live from the lobby of The Line, D.C. This podcast is where dynamic people of color in the food and agricultural space share their personal food journeys, passions, and perspectives that stem from the land, all exemplifying the spirit of activism in their own edible way. Let's get started. Peace, everyone. This is your host, Melissa L. Jones, here with the Edible Activist Podcast, broadcasting live from the lobby of the line DC here on Full Service Radio. Today in the studio, I am joined by the amazing Violet King, aka the Cosmic Farmer. (laughs) She is a mama, artist, herbalist, and Howard alum. In 2011, Violet moved to Anacostia, where she would find herself living in a food desert and faced with the challenge of accessing homegrown fruits and vegetables. Afraid that she would not be able to feed her family, Violet began growing her own food to become more self-sufficient. She has worked on food policy issues and now manages a farm in Northeast D.C., When she's not farming, you can find her playing 24-7 mom to her three kids, her three beautiful kids, and singing with Vivi and the Rebels in and around the city. Welcome to the show, Violet. Thank you for having me. Yay! Um, Violet, your kids are beautiful. I'm sorry to tell you again. (laughs) Your kids are so beautiful. Um, Thank you for being here on the show. Um, We have known each other for quite some time, Mm -hmm. and actually... Even before the food exactly, yes. <laughs> scene, so in 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 the sphere of of your artistry work, yes. you know, and having seen you performed, and so it's just crazy how like the stars aligned, uh-huh. and you know, and just food brings us together. So uh, you are a Texas a Texas native, actually. Yes, and you moved to DC. Back in two thousand no two thousand six. You went to Howard, you mm-hmm. studied anthropology. Yes. And then you moved to Anacostia in 2011, mm-hmm. and you find yourself in this place where you don't have access to food. Mm-hmm. Going, you know, full speed ahead, you're now a farmer mm-hmm. yep. with an awesome organization here in DC. Did you ever think that you would find yourself on a farm? No. With your babies. <laughs> no. <laughs> Definitely not. Uh, I went to school, I thought I was going to be an archaeologist. Um, so I guess, you know, that's digging in the dirt, um, and I'm doing that every day, but in a very different way. So no, I never imagined myself being a farmer or raising my kids, you know, in that, I guess, kind of lifestyle. Um, but now that I'm older, it feels like exactly where I'm supposed to be. And 
You know, I, I, t- I, I follow you on Instagram and I see you out in the field and your kids sitting right next to you. <laughs> and I'm like, oh my gosh, like, I want that to be me. I don't know if I'm going to have kids, y'all, but um, I, do you feel, are you seeing, do you feel like you see a lot of that or do you feel like you see less of that? Because that's what the scene used to be mm-hmm. hundreds of years ago. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and as it pertains to black people yeah. being out on the farm with our kids. Yeah. I don't I don't know if that I've encountered that um a lot. Um I'll say like from I went to a farm conference in Virginia like a month or so ago and there were all these little babies there, all these farm babies. Mm-hmm. Um so I think like in farming culture it's a thing mm-hmm. um definitely to have kids and raise your children on the farm. But I think, like, in an urban space and being a black urban farmer, um, I haven't seen that a lot in D.C. necessarily. Mm -hmm. I don't, I had kids, you know, at a younger age, so it may be, like, folks in my peer group just haven't had kids yet. And then that will be changing, you know, as more people have children. Um, But, and then I hear a, a lot of, like, it's it's not possible to be a farmer and have a little baby. Well, that's what I was going to ask you. Are there do you hear any misconceptions mm-hmm. about being a parent and a farmer yeah. at the same damn time? Yeah, definitely. It's like I've heard like it's just it's not possible for <laughs> to be a mom and to have your baby on the farm just because of the type of work that it is, the hours, the labor. Um, so I have that in the back of my mind, but at the same time, like, it's important for me to, you know, be with my youngest daughter. My other two kids are in school. She's only almost seven months old. Um, So it's important for me to have her with me as much as I can, you know, during this early part of her life. And I I hope that um, it just enhances her overall, like, life experience of being outside and being around nature, um, and that hopefully it will be somewhere in like her subconscious memory um, of being out there with me. But it's definitely not easy. I know it's not yeah. easy. I say it as if I'm a farmer. <laughs> <laughs> Look at me. I know it ain't easy. <laughs> First of all, mm-hmm. your your daughter, no daughter, mm-hmm. right? Yep. She is a. First of all, all of your kids are beautiful. Your little daughter. She looks like a little chocolate drop, okay? She, yeah, she like does. a little. I'm like, she just looks like a cabbage patch doll. Like I don't. Oh my gosh! Like she is like poster child for cabbage patch. Uh-huh. Can we get a little brown <laughs> cabbage patch dolls around here? What has the experience been like though, mm-hmm. having your kids out there, mm-hmm. like being out in an open space, mm-hmm. being around all these fruits and vegetables? seeing mom mm-hmm. out in the field working, mm-hmm. you know, um, because actually we had this conversation just the other day. Um, kids don't, I know, I know coming up for me, like we were outside all day, yes. every day. It might not have been on a farm, but we were outside all day, every day until mm-hmm. like, you know, <laughs> that yes. lamppost came on and <laughs> you go inside. But what has the experience been like for you? Mm-hmm. And what do you feel like you've been pulling away with having farm kids? Like, <laughs> um, So I definitely see it in my middle child, my daughter. Um, she has, seems to have the most affinity towards farming. 
Um, my son loves nature and he is like fearless in it and <laughs> loves to like be in mud and run through the water and like <laughs> he's a boy find frogs and stuff like that is his thing um, but my daughter she is generally a, an old soul anyways um, so she'll be out there with me she'll help harvest she'll be making bouquets um, you know just excited to be in that space um, on Wednesdays, we have our open volunteer hours at the farm, but one of our partner organizations, City Blossoms, has open hours for youth. Mm-hmm. And so my daughter, she comes with me on Wednesdays and does cooking with them and helps them water and just does all this stuff. And it's wonderful to see her out there. You know, I'm maybe across the field doing stuff and she's over there with Willa and she loves Willa and she's just excited to be out there. Um, So I really hope that it's something that she'll take with her as she grows older, even if it's not what she's going to do, but that she has that in her spirit. Um, And I, as she's getting older, I try and like, because I'm interested in herbalism and I want to pass that on to her, I'm starting to just point out different plants and things to her so she recognizes echinacea when we're out. And so that's just kind of like wanting to give her those little nuggets of information that she can carry with her. Wow. And by the way, um, Violet's oldest daughter, she's going to, she's going to start a floral business. She we is. just talked about this. <laughs> I'm going to buy all the flowers. <laughs> yes. She's selling a dollar stem. Don't y'all ask some flowers for free? Baby entrepreneur. Okay. Mm-hmm. Baby entrepreneur. She's so excited about it. <laughs> oh my gosh. I can see her big smile now. Mm-hmm. I love it. So here we are. So we're going to go back to 2011 when mm-hmm. you're in Anacostia, right? Mm-hmm. And this is when, were you pregnant with your very first child at this point? Or was that a year later? Um, it was a year. So I had my first child in 2011 okay. and my second in 2013. And so you're in this, what everyone calls a food desert, mm-hmm. right? And you're like, I am afraid. And this was with your second child, I believe. You're mm-hmm. like, I don't know how I'm going to feed my baby, my mm-hmm. family, I'm going to afraid that my baby's going to come out deformed. Mm-hmm. What am I going to do? Mm-hmm. You know? And so what, like paint that, that share that scene with mm-hmm. us. Cause that's frightening as a mom. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think it was, it was definitely scary. I remember having, um, you know, they will like check you and do measure the baby's like head size and all that stuff. And having to do some like, type of like genetic test um because they were saying that she like wasn't growing on track um and I I remember them pushing her due date back actually I think after all of that um but yeah I think that was like a constant a daily like worry of like you know what is because you can't see right on the inside it's just like it's all in your mind Mm -hmm. um so, yeah, I think I remember going to, on an interview and I was like eight months pregnant. <laughs> so I was just like, I need a job. Yeah. Like, I need some way to be able to take care of my children. And um, she came out fine, beautiful and healthy. Um, but after that I is when I got into the, I guess, ag world um, and worked at a plant store And then got to bring plants home and plants up in my garden. And from there, it was just like that a journey Mm -hmm. um, of realizing that that that's what I wanted to do. And that's how I was going to support myself and support my kids. Um, And yeah, I guess it's, it's great now. She's six. My other child is seven. 
to have come this far and um yeah have access to fresh fruits and vegetables and um just have this lifestyle that I guess I partly envisioned back then um for myself and for my kids and yet as you were saying like you know when we were young we were outside all the time Mm -hmm. and I not from DC you know I grew up in the suburbs of Massachusetts which is a very different environment um and so I definitely have fears about having children in the city and being outside and um, but it's a way for them to be able to be outside and be in nature um, in a place that is like safe um, and beautiful and healing and and nourishing Uh, and that's what I really appreciate about urban farm spaces they're like safe spaces in the city yeah yeah at what point when did the idea of self-sufficiency mm-hmm. hit you? Because I, I, I remember you saying that when you were um, at Howard, mm-hmm. your professor had taught you that race was constructed mm-hmm. and that black yeah. people needed to be, we needed to be self-sufficient. Mm-hmm. So at any, at what point, especially around like 2011, 2012, did that like mm-hmm. click in? I think it was before. I before think it, that. I graduated okay. in 2010 and I think... I already, I don't know if I saw, like, the writings on the wall, environmentally speaking, mm-hmm. but I just had some type of, like, idea or thought that it was important for me to know how to grow my own food and for us to have our, like, own businesses and to be supporting each other, just kind of, like, a very basic idea of that. Um, and then, you know, now seeing how the earth is just changing so rapidly, mm-hmm. I understand more, like, why I was, I think, feeling that way yeah. then. Yeah. And, yeah. Do you feel like being in the ag um, space or grid has helped you with, and if this was an issue at all, because you're from Texas and you were adopted into a white family. Mm-hmm. Has agriculture at any point or even when you started growing food um, helped with identity Mm -hmm. at all? Like, you know, did you did you feel like um, being, you know, being a farmer, growing your own food, um, knowing that race was constructed? Did that help you further um, support your um, role or identity in Mm -hmm. this space so that? If I'm making sense. (laughs) Yeah. um, I think that working with plants is very healing. Mm -hmm. And I think from my experiences, you know, I had a a good childhood and like, you know, secure family situation in Massachusetts. But there was a lot of like pain and wounds, I think, from being adopted and having an open adoption and, and all that comes with it and not knowing really where I come from. And I found that like, agriculture and plants is my connection to my ancestors of like even if my family members now in Texas they don't farm you know they're not doing that I know that somewhere along the line somebody has and then that and I feel some type of connection like it's in me to be doing this type of work Um, and so I found like great healing through 
specifically working with medicinal herbs. Wow. And then being able to teach and like share that information with people. Wow. Wow. If you're just tuning in, this is Melissa L. Jones here at the Edible Activist Podcast, broadcasting live from the lobby of the Line Hotel DC here on Full Service Radio. I am chatting with Violet King, um, who is a mama first. (laughs) She is a farmer and she's an artist. Um, And we are actually just talking a bit about um, her growing up, coming to D.C. and and being challenged with um, food insecurity and, you know, being afraid that at one point that she didn't know she'd be able to feed her family. The idea of self-sufficient, being self-sufficient and growing your own food and um, how agriculture and connecting with plants and medicinal plants, to be more specific, has helped, um, you know, heal a lot of the trauma that you face coming up with, Mm -hmm. you know, being adopted and um, just with identity as well, Mm -hmm. you know, being able to identify with, you know, where you came from with your heritage and that agriculture helped with that. Um, So you're also an herbalist. Mm -hmm. Yes. (laughs) And um, you've been expanding a lot as of late mm-hmm. with your with your um, herbalist work. But I do have before we we dive into that. My biggest question is, is that a lot of people say that they're herbalists, mm-hmm. which is great. Mm-hmm. You can claim to be whatever you want to be. Is everybody a healer? Mm. I don't know. I think that everyone has the potential to heal themselves. Um, but that maybe healers have the ability to heal themselves and, and guide people along their healing journey. That's what I would think. Okay. And that's fair. And I'm just, I don't know, you know, Mm -hmm. I meet a lot of wonderful folks who say they're herbalists. And when I think of herbalists, I think like, you know, I, I automatically associate, you know, herbal lists with healing, Mm -hmm. you know, because you're, you're working with plants and plants are medicine and, you know, Mm -hmm. um, so talk to me more about your herbalist work. I know Mm -hmm. you actually got a workshop later today. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so yeah, I'm working on an, well, I'm in the process of teaching just kind of an introductory, uh, introductory workshop at the farm. Um, we had our first class this past Saturday, um, and I'm working on with DPR to put it on so that it's free. Um, and so the idea behind it, and this is an idea that I'm hoping to grow beyond this, is to um, teach from a perspective of herbalism of the diaspora. Mm, um, okay. And just like, you know, I have a ton of herbalism books and everything is from like a Western perspective. And I'm just lately have feel tired of I was gonna say you sick and tired of being sick and tired right I feel you girl I feel uh, you reading these books and feeling like our contribution as African people and African American people to herbalism is like completely overlooked um so a class that I'm teaching on Saturday is kind of an introductory to herbalism of the the diaspora I like that Um, and it's it's definitely a new topic for me um And so I hope to really dive deep and create an in-depth course after this um, program that I'm working on right now. But I've learned a lot about uh, the Yoruba Nation and um, their legacy as healers and herbalists. Wait, the who? The Yoruba Nation. Oh, the Yoruba Nation. Okay. Okay. Aruba. And everything that they brought with them um, when they came here. And that has just been fascinating um, to learn about that and 
to understand um, that we, you know, we were farmers and agriculturalists, but we were healers, and that is a big part of how we survived here um, in America and definitely in the Caribbean and in South America. Um, I learned that I think Africa and South America share 70% of the same plant families, um, which means that even if, you know, enslaved Africans coming over here didn't necessarily recognize plants that they had in their home. They were able to recognize plants in the same family and they were able to use those plants for all types of healing. And so they contributed so much, you know, as we know in all other realms, but definitely to herbal healing um, in the diaspora. And that information is just completely overlooked all the time. When we think about like a resurgence of herbalism and midwifery and all of these things are things that black people and black women have been doing. And so that is really my mission right now is to do more research and share more of that information and create something. um, Yeah, that will just share that with, you know, I had 20 people come to an herbalism workshop that I did at the ARC, you know, mostly all black people of all ages. So I know that there is an interest in it. And um, so I just want to be a connector for people who are interested in um, learning more and feeling connected to their own heritage. Wow. I'm interested. (laughs) I want to come. I can't come tonight, though, but I want to come. I want to come. I want to come. So um, we're going to take a break in just a few minutes. But um, so when it comes and, you know, I have to be truthfully honest, I've never been to an herbalist herbalism workshop. I've Mm. never been to one. I got to go. Yes, you do. So like for someone like me who's just coming for the first time, what can Mm -hmm. I expect? Because I literally don't know. Mm. Okay, so (laughs) I mean, I teach my workshops, I think, from the perspective of a grower. Um, I'm not like a clinical herbalist. I think I do like community herbalism. Okay. Um, So the class that I taught on Saturday, you know, we do herb walks. We learn how to identify herbs um, and take care of them. Um, and then to make kind of like simple, um, simple products. Um, so I'll make like a castor oil infused with rosemary and holy basil, which are two plants that you can easily grow in your garden. Yeah. And those plants are good for like hair growth and sheen. Um, so can you just, make that for me? I can. <laughs> <laughs> Here I go. Um, so just learning, you know, kind of like simple recipes. Um, tea is a really great way mm-hmm. to take in your herbs. And herbal plants have so um, much like healing properties to them. Um, tonight, um, my friend Malka is coming to teach um, the class and we're going to be making a bug spray. So just kind of like you can do very practical things. I need that too. With herbs. Because yes. you know I do all these farm business. And, <laughs> yes, I, and you need I, it. I be getting beat, I mean bit up. All right. I mean, and I don't apply anything. I'm like, why did I do this to myself? Mm-hmm. Like, really? Okay. All right. And so you're are you make you're making it there? Yep, we'll be making it. Okay, there. cool. Mm-hmm. Okay, really cool. Thank yes. you so much. Because yes. <laughs> I've never been to one. Actually, it's real. I've never been to one. Mm-hmm. Okay, I gotta go. I gotta go to the next one. All right, guys, we're gonna take a really quick break and we'll be right back.
You're listening to Perfect Day, produced by Artists Authentic. For more of Authentic's work, visit allornothingstudios.com. Welcome back. It's Melissa L. Jones here with the Edible Activist Podcast, broadcasting live from the lobby of the Line DC, the Line Hotel DC. My bad, y'all. My bad, Line. Um, here on Full Service Radio, and I am chatting with Farmer Violet King, aka the Cosmic Farmer. And we were actually just talking a bit about her herbalism work. I had never been to an herbalist class before, so she just gave me the rundown. I need to go to one. Don't judge me. All right, I'm gonna show up. I try to show up. I really do try to show up to a lot of these, you know, events. Like y'all do really great stuff. Um, so thank you for giving me the mm-hmm. rundown. I appreciate that. So um, I actually want to touch on. Um, we talked uh, briefly about this. So you're originally from Texas, but yes. you grew, you grew up in um, Boston, Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. You were adopted, yeah. um, and but you went back to Texas some mm-hmm. years ago. Um, cause your grandfather, is your grandfather still living? Yeah, my okay. whole family is there. Your whole family, your whole mm-hmm. family is there. Yes. And you connected with your grandfather and some other, your family members. Mm-hmm. Um, your father's transitioned on from yes. what I understand. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you went down there and it's stop six, right? Is it? truck six or oh, the area yeah. mm-hmm. okay my I'm, grandma lives in fort worth and stop six okay okay i'm not familiar with the texas <laughs> lingo you know i try to go back to my notes all right but you got down there mm-hmm. and you were like this feels a little bit like anacostia mm-hmm. yes absolutely i don't have nowhere to buy groceries or, or food or like like mm-hmm. there's take a, a walmart that's it yeah there's a walmart um which my family is from a small town called Mahaya, which is actually where Anna Nicole Smith is from, which is random. a random, <laughs> <laughs> um, but like the millionaire, whatever chicken guy that she married his restaurants there. My grandpa takes me to that restaurant. Um, that it's actually so really random. good. It is really oh my random. Goodness. <laughs> um, but yeah, in Mahaya, um, that's where my paternal side is from my grandmother and my grandfather grew up there my great-grandmother is still there my grandpa's still there I have actually an enormous family Mm -hmm. in Texas um but with Walmart coming in it basically like shut down Mm. the whole like no farmer's market no like no stands no no watermelon like nothing not a peach Mm -mm. an apple no it's all at Walmart like their little town centers basically like just dried up you drive through it and there's nothing going on you know the walmart's open 24 hours so that is where people go to get their food and you can tell you know driving around my grandpa will tell me like this is where we went you know we used to have the juke joint here and actually one of the first juneteenth celebrations was in mahaya oh wow Um, so he took me to that park and to the lake that they were at so it's it's a town you know like i I think a lot of rural places that had a very vibrant life. Yeah. Um, and that has changed all of the people on my grandmother's side have moved out 
of Mejia. Okay. And are in Fort Worth or in Dallas. Okay. I'm sure there's no job opportunities there. There's nothing. There's the state school. And that's it. <laughs> that's and it. everybody <laughs> can't work at the state school. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Oh, good grief. Um, good grief. So, and then, yeah, where my grandmother lives, um, it's, I mean, it's residential, but, you know, I remember just walking around there with my kids and being like, this is a food desert, too. <laughs> like, yeah. Wherever I go, I'm, is this what I'm going to encounter mm. where, where black people live? And if so, then, you know, what am I, what is my contribution? What am I going to do? Um to help alleviate this problem. Now, your dad worked at a greenhouse down in Texas, right? Or do I not no, have that right? Not, no? Yeah. No? Mm-mm. No greenhouse? No, he Did was I in the army. That Did someone work at a greenhouse? Though? I worked at a plant store. Oh, yeah. okay. So no one had... Did somebody else in your family had a green, have a green thumb? Like prior, um, my grandpa told me that I think his grandmother did had a green thumb. Um, but that's it. Like yeah, no other traces. All right. I'm the yeah anomaly. Of- yes, you are. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you are. Uh-huh. Okay. Sorry, I meant I mixed that up. I, maybe someone else's story. Oh wow. So eventually, well, I don't know. Do you ever plan on moving back to Texas? I. Th- I think I always will say, like, when I retire. <laughs> right, when I retire. I'll move to Mejia, because I really like the country. Yeah. I'm a country yeah. girl, and uh-huh. I definitely going home made me realize, like, okay, like, that is me. And I understand why I don't want to wear shoes. And, like, <laughs> she I does, like being she, out Violet has her shoes off now, okay? <laughs> and she's done. She's participated in one of my talks, and she would tell the crowd, I'm an artist. I got to take my shoes off. I got to be grounded. I like, do. this is what makes me feel comfortable. Yeah. You do you, boo, yes. okay? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and my daughter's the same way. She's like, Mommy, we hate shoes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um, so you are, we didn't, I, I didn't, you know, You are a farm manager, actually, Mm -hmm. at Kelly Miller Farm over Northeast, which is a farm that is under Dreaming Out Loud organization where you work. So shout out Dreaming Out Loud, the whole crew. Um, So beautiful farm. Thank you. It is gorgeous. Gorgeous. Um, What has been like just some of like the biggest accomplishments to that you would say just being there mm-hmm. um, and at that space because it wasn't anything before y'all mm-hmm. got there. Yeah, it was just, just the school, field. just in the school in the field mm-hmm. and the pool. Like yep. that was it. <laughs> and so literally like this, I felt like this secret garden has been planted, mm-hmm. you know, in a food desert. Yeah. Um, and it's just so refreshing to see. Mm-hmm. I mean, I when I last time I was there actually because um, Violet um, was one of the growers for um, Xavier's Brown's um, Pippin Pepper sauce, so she grew fish peppers. And I mean, beautiful chard, rainbow mm-hmm. chard. I mean, it was just good. The flowers, just mm-hmm. it was just beautiful. Um, but like, what has just been like the biggest? Um, like I said, just one of the, well, I guess the farm within itself, but, um, what is, what do you feel has been like one of the biggest accomplishments being Mm -hmm. there and having that space there? Um, yeah, I think definitely like for all of us in two years to make that space, what it is right now has been without any like machinery. Um, Whoa, that, that's, that by hand, (laughs) um, is a that's a big, a big deal accomplishment and I feel I'm like, I didn't know that yes no Good all by grief. hand digging trenches by hand <laughs> yeah um, all last year so and when I say we are builders for real yes 
we are builders. And here yeah. I go. Like, I ain't out there. <laughs> One thing that I think is really cool is that we've only had, like, female staff on the farm. Um, black women. Yes. Um, and yes. that is really cool and just creates, a, like, a wonderful environment and energy. Something that I really appreciate. But for me, I'm as I've gotten deeper into the agricultural scene, um, pollinators and creating pollinator habitats is a really important yes. thing to me. Mm-hmm. And I feel really great about adding that to the space. And it's just a buzz with bees and butterflies and all these different types of bugs. And so I feel like that is like my little contribution to the environment. That's your little contribution. <laughs> your big contribution. Yeah. No, that's really important though, because I feel like, the big guys forget about the smaller guys, mm-hmm. you know, and we have these communities where we can really create habitats. Yes. And you see species coming through that you would never see yep. if this farm was not here. Absolutely. In the hood. Yeah. You know, so mm-hmm. that's really important. Yeah. Really and important. it's something that people can do. You know, some people in the neighborhood, they have beautiful gardens and it's something that pe- we can all easily do at home. You right. Know? It's like we can plant a few little flowers in our garden to create this habitat we can plant milkweed for monarch butterflies that's like my refrain all the time um but these these things that we're doing there can also be replicated in people's homes and we can all kind of contribute to um renewing our environment for ourselves and for generations you know so what are are y'all growing now this is just me being nosy Uh, yes uh so (laughs) we have okra growing right now shut the front door if anybody knows me you know i love okra okra um, we have beans, squash, a lot of cucumbers. Um, we just planted some carrots and some beets and some onions. I'll be doing a lot of root crops in the fall, kind of after my first year there, kind of like figuring out the space and the soil. Um, I decided to narrow it down to like five or six crops per like season. Um, and that has been working pretty well. Um, last year I tried a whole bunch of stuff just to see like what yeah. grew well there and what didn't. Well, because you were new to this space, exactly. you know, you didn't really know what soil you were dealing mm-hmm. with once you got there. So and yeah. what does that planning process look like? Mm-hmm. Like now, especially, I mean, you, you've been in that, has it been a year over a year? Um, this is our second growing season, second growing season. Yeah. So what does that planning look like? Mm-hmm. Do you have, do you, are you the one that has like the whole grid and mm-hmm. you have the crops here? And mm-hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> yes. I have like a master crop plan with all the information and then like a narrowed down crop plan and then I have what I actually planned. (laughs) (laughs) It goes big picture Uh to reality. (laughs) And you know try and keep it in within that as much as possible but it's just you know maybe a bed has cover crop in it and it's not Mm -hmm. ready yet and another one is open so you have to switch things around Um, but I I make sure that I do a crop rotation and don't plant the same thing in the same place or of the same family in the same place hopefully for at least three seasons okay Um, what has been like the most challenging thing to grow mm -hmm. at Kelly Miller Um, anything hmm. Last year, I tried potatoes. Okay. Normally, I grow potatoes very easily. Okay. And they just didn't do well. Just regular potatoes or yeah, seed potatoes? Just regular, regular potatoes. potatoes. And okay. they just didn't do well. They're heavy feeders. So I, the soil, I think, there just wasn't enough for them. And it was really wet last year. The weather last year was very strange. Um, it and, was. And it was pretty bad. Yeah. Um, so that was a struggle. Um, and I think 
brassicas, like everyone, you know, people like collards and kale and stuff, but they have the most pest problems. And so that's always like, you know, as it gets warmer, that's your fight. Just like fighting off. <laughs> <laughs> Farming is a fight, and, man. Yeah. Make a t-shirt out of that. Farming <laughs> is a fight. Like it really is. All right. Well, we are going to wrap, wrap up in just a few moments, but I did want to also talk about um, some of the food policy work mm-hmm. that you've done. I mean, because I felt like you took like a short break from the farm. I did. Yeah. And you said, I want to dive into food policy. Mm-hmm. Why? Um, yeah, I wanted a change. Definitely. I wanted the opportunity to see things on a more like national scale. Okay. Um, I feel like, you know, we're right here in DC and all these choices are being made that are affecting us and we're not plugged into it at all. And definitely people of color are not in those spaces. Um, so I felt like it would be a good opportunity to learn more about, you know, grassroots um, organizing around policy Um, and to be able to meet people from all over the country who are doing work in sustainable agriculture. So it was was a great experience. I learned a lot, and I met a lot of really great people. Um, And I think it just really expanded my viewpoint about agriculture, of not just thinking about it so locally, but thinking about it on a national and global scale. And it was farm bill season. Um, uh-uh. So it I always did a, gets everyone riled up. It does. I did a <laughs> farmer. Well, I helped orchestrate a farmer fly-in, which were very cool. You fly in farmers from all around the country to talk to different policymakers, and that was a really great experience. I got to interview farmers, which I love doing. Um, so I think it just it it allowed me to tap into that space and then to kind of share that information with people who may not be in those spaces. No, that's really cool. And I think, I mean, you're right. There aren't, aren't nearly enough people of color in, in food policy. And I don't know, I think it's a combination of, do we want to be in, in that space? I, I think, you know, we are so used to, and which is fine, just being, I guess our form of policy is like, let's get out there and just do it. You yeah. know? <laughs> I think it's like a twofold of like, we there are definitely barriers for us even entering in that, yeah. into that space yeah. um and then we've been wronged by like the USDA yes. like all of our land has been stolen from us through you know agricultural policy and through the government um so i think that that's you know it's a tricky situation but at the same time some of us need to be there to be mm-hmm. advocating for policies that will impact us on a positive, in a positive way and not in a negative way, and to be calling for you know, reparations or whatever it is that we as black farmers and black growers need to be sustainable farmers and to make a living. And I think you know, farmers are struggling on a whole in America right now, but definitely black farmers, we have way less access to infrastructure and funding and all of those things that are a part of the farm bill. Um, a lot of, you know, there's so much in the farm bill and that we utilize. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it is important for us to, you know, have a say and be in those rooms where decisions are being made. Um, because otherwise then our perspective and our voices are not there and the things that we need are not being accounted for. Touche, touche. Um, real quick, I did, I was reading an article or I read something about um, 
incentives for carbon farming. Do you know anything about that Mm-mm. at all? Yeah, there's this idea that they want to um, give incentives to farmers mm-hmm. to get more into carbon farming because obviously our whole entire environment is like so like jacked up. Mm-hmm. And so um, I was like, okay. Mm-hmm. So I, wanted, I don't know if you had, had knew about it, but I just wanted to get your opinion. But I'm sure there will be more. It'll be magnified a lot more in the coming weeks. But mm-hmm. yeah, just just something for folks to put on their radar Mm. I don't know what it's all about but I just got a glimpse of it but anyway uh, so before we do our rapid fire I am not going to close out this show without talking about your artistry work okay okay (laughs) because she Violet is an artist and I'm sure I'm sure she is sensitive about her shit okay (laughs) as Eva D would say Um, and when I first um, invited Violet I actually invited Violet and maybe it was like what three or four years ago I can't even remember was reading DC mm-hmm. yeah. and um, I did like this very small session where I had three black growers come in and share their food story and Violet was one of them and um, as she had mentioned earlier she likes to always have her shoes off <laughs> she actually put them back on she put her sandals back on <laughs> and when she just started to talk you know she took her shoes off and that was her creative space she was like I'm an artist and I like to be grounded and this is what makes me feel comfortable and you as an artist as a singer and a guitarist right mm-hmm. Um, who performs in and around around the city, like, how does that directly, if at all, like, you know, um, connect with the work that you do mm-hmm. in agriculture? Uh, I would say that I've played at a lot of farms. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. <Yes. laughs> you have done some garden, uh-huh. like, series and stuff, yeah, right? Yeah, I've definitely right? played at a lot of gardens, and I, I think of it as, like, uh, you know, after a long day of work on the farm, you want to go home and like play your guitar and make music. And, you know, if you're thinking about like in the past, mm-hmm. that like you mm-hmm. can be a farmer and you can be an artist at the same time. And I think I, you know, I, another but there are reason, a lot of farmers who are artists. Yeah, though. definitely. Like, I think it's, it goes hand in hand. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, it, it's culture making, culture in a making, way, right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think, the sensitivities that you that require you to be a farmer also are there as an artist. Well, that's how we used to celebrate, mm-hmm. you know, out in the field when you, they would catch fish and everything. Like we would be out there with the drums mm-hmm. and everything. Like that's it was music, yeah, and farming, yeah, you know. So um, Fred, who was at Farmer Fred, who was in here, he used to work at Eco City Farms. He's mm-hmm. now with Eleven um, Carrots. He's a drummer. Oh yes, he's a drummer. Yeah, and we had a garden concert at his house. See. See, you see how this all connected? (laughs) Well, Violet, thank you so much for being on the show. I appreciate it. We're going to do a really quick rapid fire. Actually, where can people find you? Where do you want people to find you? Um, You can find me. There is a difference. (laughs) Do you want to be found? Uh, You can find me on Instagram. Uh, Yeah, my handle is Cosmic Farmer for all farming related and herbalist related things and I don't have like a website or anything that's, that's kind okay. of my only social media that and I'm you all are on. doing uh you're doing a workshop tonight as yes, well so there's a workshop tonight from six to eight at the farm at Kelly Miller and then one this Saturday from nine to twelve at the farm at Kelly Miller all right y'all know where to find and it. you can come to the farm at Kelly Miller if you're interested in volunteering every Wednesdays we have open volunteer hours from around 3.30 to 6.30. And they also have a market today. Yes, we do. At the farm. So be there, be be square. Yes. Or be without homegrown fruits and vegetables, (laughs) and you don't want to do that. So, Violet, what is your favorite leafy green? Oh, um, I would say kale. No, spinach. (laughs) Okay, spinach. (laughs) Sweet, spicy, sour, or salty? Mm, 
sweet. What is your favorite fruit? Watermelon. The watermelon has been right banging. Now, yeah. Oh my gosh. That's the last thing I good grief. <laughs> and Xavier's watermelon, y'all. Mm-hmm. So, so good. What's cooking in your pot these days? Literally. Um, what did I make the other night? Um, I made like a pasta sauce. Uh, sorry, like a pasta. My partner made pasta sauce and I just like whipped up a dinner from that pasta sauce that he made. Yum, 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 yum. And lastly, what is one action step someone someone can take towards edible activism? Oh, I think growing something in your garden. And if you're already growing something in your garden, sharing your harvest with your neighbors and friends. There it is. Sharing is caring. Well, thank you so much again, Violet. (laughs) It's been a treat to speak with you. Um, And peace, y'all. Peace. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. We are here live on Full Service Radio every Wednesday at 11 a.m., where you can catch today's episode on fullserviceradio.org, as well as iTunes and Spotify. Be sure to follow me at Food Talks in Color on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Are you an edible activist? Sure you are. Come join me on the show. I would love to feature you. Just shoot me a DM on the gram. Peace and blessings all. And remember, there is no culture without agriculture.